Chicago Pizza presents S-D-P-P, the Steve Dangle Podcast, with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! Well, here we are. I don't even know how to begin shows anymore, man. I, I don't even know where to start. Um, but talk about the talk, Adam. Start with the basics. What I, happened in the game last night? <laughs> you know, if I get another stick to hockey tweet when there's no hockey on, I I think I'm just gonna. Well, I, I'm not gonna do anything actually because I don't. At care. least have but. the balls to tweet me stick to Bundesliga <laughs> and Korean baseball. And if you don't have the nuts to do that, then shut up. So you Sticking were talking about hockey that. is shutting down the show. Like, yeah, literally. hockey shut down, so if we're sticking to it, let's just do the same. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but, like, this is technically now our summer season because, because the season's going to start in August, and we mm-hmm. could have gone down to one episode a week by now because yeah. there's not going to be any hockey till at least the 1st of August. So uh, we may have to look at doing that in July anyway uh, just because we might need a break. But, you know, yeah. ultimately, I think uh, – uh, I think the fact is it's pretty tough to stick to hockey when there isn't any. And, uh, you know, what? I, I, I want to say, I want to say, I really appreciate the, uh, the people that reached out, um, last episode over the episode. Thank you for listening. You know, these subjects are not easy, but as, as the world is finding out, uh, you need to have them. And it seems like a good chunk of us are, and that's, that's, uh, that's exciting and, uh, fulfilling. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I saw you like protests today, like in Belgium uh wow. for you know for what's gone on and and uh you know and obviously we'll get to some of the new statements because you know jonathan taze and Sidney crosby and a few other stars have have come out and and uh, kind of like a waterfall uh since our last episode mm-hmm. you know some more descriptive than others um but you know hey it, something is better than anything at this point um but i guess i want to start with the fact that i was so blown away with the comment section on YouTube, uh, which I rarely read, but I, I went in and checked it out. And oh. other than getting called a simp a few times by a bunch of fake accounts, like it's pretty amazing. Excuse my dogs. Uh, it's pretty amazing that, um, that so many people decided to put so many positive things in there. Oh, and, it was good. Amazing. Yeah. I yeah. Didn't read it. It I avoided it this time. That's no, not, it was it good. Was not, right? <laughs> okay. not the answer I was prepared for. Adam. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, and that's, I wasn't what I was prepared for either. That's why I was, I made sure I was in a room with people when I read the comments, just so I could bitch if, if, uh, if there was an issue. Um, and, uh, <laughs> why are you laughing, Steve? <laughs> I was drinking and I wasn't not, ready. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> It's not good to go through comment sections alone. You should never go through them. But when you do go through them, you make sure that you're at least some, you're in the room with somebody. So um, the, sometimes I'll be looking down and just, I have, I have angry eyebrows if I don't think about them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my wife will just, it'll be silence in our room for five, 10 minutes, but she'll just see me looking down at my phone and just go, What? and she's right i'm reading something that i shouldn't be right well and on that subject i want to is that where we're starting yeah (laughs) so we've talked about this a few times and we Mm -hmm. talk about this all the time off the uh off the air about not responding to people that are clearly trying to troll and the best part about this morning was some of the tweets that we got uh, regarding the actual episode. Now, 
you know, it was in, in response to Jesse posting the, the link. So if you saw Jesse's link, it got it like 1,500 likes, 210 retweets. To the uh, last episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's big on Twitter. Uh, and, yeah. you know, today's, today, uh, Jesse's comment was, today, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and I recorded a podcast. It's titled Black Lives Matter. We talked exclusively about social injustice, injustices in the black community. I hope that you take the time to view it. Mm-hmm. You know, so naturally, with a tweet like that, with a show like that, as somebody who's creating these shows, you expect that there's going to be some people who, obviously not with their real names, uh, but come out of the woodwork and, and say whatever the hell they're going to say. Not people, and, Adam. Andrew 8696 Actually, Jesse, it was Andrew 65101167. And the 67 so, feels intentional, Drew. So Andrew 65101167 said, Dude, I know I can't understand, but I had to turn this off. Racism is bad and whites need to fix it. I get white people are mostly guilty, but clumping us together doesn't make you sound any better than the problem. Racism goes beyond whites, Jesse. So here we well, have let's, a white. Let's, let's never lose. White explaining racism to a black man, uh, which it's I love. Not, it's not a white but, person, Adam. It is a white right. computer program. Like that's it wasn't right. a real person. It was, some, it was a Twitter account that's clearly a bot that's just churning yeah. out these comments uh, with whatever, whoever it's tagged in, and then it kind of inserts name or whatever. And then it just, and, but the guy who's slipping down in his chair right now said, hey, today I'm going to have an argument with a toaster. Today I will defeat trolls once right. and for all. And so Steve responds, Adam and right. I said it too, because it's true. Open your mind and heart, which is a very thoughtful comment. But I wrote Steve back and I wrote, Steve, Steve, I love you. And this is not a real person. <laughs> and, uh, and Steve said back, eight numbers in the name and exactly no tweets before today. <laughs> Damn. Now, <laughs> I want to go back to something Jesse said. Toasters okay. have a wide range of emotion. And some of you have not watched The Brave Little Toaster and it shows. We just <laughs> did not watch the sequel, The Racist Little Trollbot Post- Toaster. All right. I'm just I never it's... saw it. It was less popular. But you it's a movie. Well, you might as well just yell at your toasters. Dude. Yeah. So, so here's thing. the thing. Who has Humst has not. <laughs> Humst among us has not yelled at their toaster. Well, Some I have that wimpy little flap at the bottom. That sole purpose is just to spill crumbs all over the place. <laughs> That's true. They have not figured out a toaster that doesn't spew crumbs. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't, I don't know what why that mean? is. Like, where's Dyson with their fucking Dyson or Apple oh. need to come up with a toaster? You know a Dyson I mean? toaster? Yeah. Dyson it costs eight hundred dollars. It costs, but it'll, you'll never ever. You won't. I'll even... pay it. There are footprints on the moon and crumbs <laughs> on my counter. It makes no sense. It's true. Find me a it salt and Andrew's pepper shaker fault. that worked too. Find me like or a grinder that worked properly that mm. actually worked. Yeah. Show me one. Show me one. Um. Anyway, I uh, I the reason I bring this up is. Just some of the comments underneath this were very funny. And typical SDP listeners, the real ones are very funny. And, you know, what I've always said is watch out for the people that have no profile picture and a bazillion numbers in their name. And if you have no profile picture and a bazillion numbers in your name, and I'm not talking about two or three numbers because you might, or even four, you might have your birth date in it or something like that. I'm talking about seven or eight. If it starts to get into phone number territory or credit card number territory, you're not a real person. 
And, and somebody actually responded and said, well, hey, wait a second. I'm a real person. This is the name Twitter gave me. And I said, I was going to say it back to them, but I didn't, I, I think I need to announce it to the world. If that is your Twitter name, then I have the right not to take you seriously. If you didn't want to take your Twitter name seriously and you took the name that Twitter gave you, then I have the right to believe that you're probably a Russian bot, which 99 out of 100 times you are. Um, and, and this guy actually came out and said that this is a burner account. So this is somebody that listens to the show that, that wrote a burner account just so they could respond to this. And for that reason, to me, invalidates their opinion and, because they won't stand behind it. And number two is who gives a shit? And, and that's where I have to bring on Steve because, Steve, we've talked about this for years, yeah. especially and – Je- and I used to do this too, to be very reactive, and Jesse was like, stop. Every yeah. time. Just stop. What are you doing? All right. <laughs> we, we can't all be perfect Jesse. <laughs> Perfectly chill, zen Jesse. All right. We can't all be having a great day, level-headed about everything. I drink one coffee. I got a couple days, Jesse. I got to <laughs> say, after the last podcast, I've never received so many DMs. And I've just for the last two days, all I've been doing is trying to respond to all these DMs. It's like over a hundred, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then Steve I'm, responds I'm to glad that <laughs> I'm spending all of this time only answering all these people who have so many positive things to say. <laughs> and I sit here with my two co hosts and one of them just decides, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to signal out the one guy who's probably not a guy and <laughs> comment back to him because he had something negative to say. Yeah. <laughs> Open your heart. Open gonna, your heart. I'm going to defeat racism <laughs> with this tweet. You know, Steve went, to, Steve went to war right. this morning. He won the troll wars. Sorry, it's over. Russia's quit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, the other thing about this that you need to know is that the, there was somebody who made a really good point in the thread and they said adam if this person this person could be a, a listener in which mm-hmm. we found out they are yeah and they could be somebody that listened to the entire episode now if you go back and you read the actual comment the comment but why would we do that? Was extremely generic. It's like it's not all white dudes' problems, Jesse. Like you could have looked at the at the Black Lives Matter on the on the title, wrote that, and not listened to a single single minute. Yeah. And that's that's where I kind of go. Yeah, no, that's too generic. Or you did listen to the whole thing, which is more concerning. Now, yeah, which you know it would be, which would make more sense because remember from the Howard Stern movie, the people that hate it listen longer. Now, yeah, it, it's. You're ignorant or dumb. Strawberry yeah. or raspberry? They're both ice cream, sir. <laughs> what? So, um, <laughs> so I got different re- flavors. <laughs> so I got to, uh, I got to read this because this is hilarious. At original sin thirty three, because I said uh, Andrew six five one zero one one six seven was not real. Say his whole name, damn it. He wrote. He wrote. Hey, now, Andrew six five one zero one one six seven comes from a long line of six five one zero one one six sevens. His family crossed the ocean on four five two three nine nine seven one and helped settle the town of two one eight five two nine eight. Show some damn respect. <laughs> respect to you original sin 33 because that is funny yeah. um but <laughs> i am well aware that i do not always take my own advice even the advice that i wrote yeah. in my own book 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, I think get it, mad. It's relevant. It's relevant to what's actually happening because this is a funny little story about Steve. But there's a lot of like trolls out there just trying to get mm-hmm. you going and telling them to fuck off. It, it might feel satisfying for about three seconds, but it's not. It's just a waste of your time. Like, know. you know, it's not, it's not like engaging in a spirited debate with a person that will stand behind their, ho- their own name is one thing. Uh, engaging with trolls who are literally just trying to get you going and are not real uh, is another. And you got to remember, there are people at home. It's like the South Park episode with uh, Stan's dad. It's like, oh, I just do it for the lulls. Uh, like, Kyle's dad. Kyle's dad. Sorry, Kyle's dad. I just do it for the lulls, man. And that's really it. There's like a thing that people get off on. And mm-hmm. so you just, just leave it. Let it go. You know there's a bunch of trolls out there. And, uh, and you know, tell people who are real people to open your heart. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there are real trolls, like you said, who are distracting from the actual issues. Here. Mm-hmm. There are people who Elected are- Elected politicians. <laughs> big ones. Ones mm-hmm. in very prominent positions that are trying to distract from the actual issues that are going on. And those people are just trolls on a different level. So if we could all refocus and- Pay attention to what's important here. I think it'd be a better place. That's right. Thanks, Steve. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. I really need the pep talk, Dad. So let me ask you this, Steve. Did you wake up? You bring orange slices too there, Coach? (laughs) I know I'm a child. I need the vitamin C. (laughs) Did you, Steve, um, um, uh, did you you just roll over and sort of wake up and answer that? Is that what happened? or Because that that can happen, right? Where you read the comment before you read the name? Yes. It's, it's been a bad habit of mine, uh, particularly over the past two weeks or a week, just because I, it's never been like this where every single time I check my phone, I expect to learn something new Mm because I often do. Mm -hmm. It's wild. And man, I, I went to bed, like there's seven or eight hours worth of stuff. I don't know if I'm lucky. Um, and yeah, that was just a, that was a, that was a mistake. And, uh, I, Steve, uh, Glenn legally, uh, would like to admit that I, uh, maybe shouldn't talk to Andrew six, nine, four twenty whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> now last episode, one of the major talking points was the lack of NHLers coming out with statements. And of course, right after the episode comes out, Jonathan Taze comes out with a beautiful statement. A podcast um, jinx I am behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, we'll take it. Um, I'll read his in a second. But first, I want to start with the biggest biggest name in terms of leadership in the game. And you could say Connor McDavid is a better player, and I would agree with you. But Sidney Crosby has been the number one star in this league for 15 years. Yes. And there's no other way around that. He still probably is, right now, the more marketable name in the States. And uh, I... I think it's important when guys like him speak up. Now, it's still crickets from Connor McDavid, still have not heard a thing, but Sidney Crosby, through his foundation, did reach out and said, what happened to George Floyd cannot be ignored. Racism that exists today in all forms is not acceptable. While I am not able to relate to the discrimination that the black community and minority communities face daily, I will listen and educate myself on how I can help make a difference. Together, we will find solutions through the necessary dialogue and collective effort. So there's something. There's something. Yep. Yeah. Well, and 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 yep. the moment the foundation posted it, the Penguins then posted it, Sportsnet then posted it. It was retweeted over a thousand times, and it spread just like we said it would. Mm-hmm. And listen, you know, I I saw some people go, "Oh, this is 
you know, shades of Michael Jordan from uh, the last dance and he's just a private person and he doesn't want to get involved or, or say anything. Michael got involved. Michael made a statement. Michael finally did. Yeah. Republicans buy shoes too. tweeted something about this. Mm-hmm. So like all I have to ask is, was that that hard? You know what I mean? Like it got out there. It means something that it got out there that he said it and good. And now, mm-hmm. and now what? But the silence think, would have spoken so much louder than the actual words he did come out and say. Like, yes. not saying anything means so much more than saying something in this situation. And just like we said last episode, he does this, he does this, he does this, he does that. Great. Here is a another really simple thing you can do. It's and a, he did it. Yo, let's be honest. It's a fucking layup, man. Like, yes. it's not hard to yes. issue a statement and donate some money. And, like, this is not a hard thing to behind Adam, like it's a, just so it's a, it's a pass i don't even yeah, know if it's a layup like he, it's an he inbound pass have to do yeah. any work technically like somebody no. in crosby's position could send a, a text or an email to people who can handle these these things for him who can write these statements send them out and donate the money so th- if mm-hmm. you really didn't do anything that's that's crazy like that speaks volumes so the fact right. that he did something is okay yeah thank you good there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. That's what it is. And then some people went even uh, above and beyond. You know, Subban donated uh, was uh, fifty thousand dollars to George Floyd's daughter, and he didn't mm-hmm. stop there. He got the NHL to match it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Patrice Bergeron stuff has been coming in so fast. Patrice Bergeron made a twenty-five thousand dollar donation today, and I don't remember who it was to. Tom Wilson has pledged money as well. Um, a lot of good yeah, words. Tom Wilson's, and a lot Tom of good Wilson's sentiment too. was amazing too. Like that, yeah. what he wrote about the the program that he was talking about. Um, you know, I mean, I would encourage you if you if you're interested to go check it out. I I don't have it in front of me right now. I've actually got something else up that I think is important to the discussion as well. Um, but what Tom Wilson wrote really like my like blew me away, and it doesn't surprise me. Like the guy, I've had my differences with the way the guy plays on the ice, but um, yeah. there's no question that in that community. He does incredible things and, and he, you know, did it again and came and showed up. And that is what we're, that, that is what anybody was asking for. It's just showing up. Now, let me ask you this. There's two things I want to hit here. Uh, the first thing is Connor McDavid. Uh, Cause let's just be straight. There's been nothing. And, you know, I don't, I hate to, I hate to put frame this in terms of, of, is he now beholden to say something? Because we don't, we want this to be authentic. Uh, but I don't see how it could be inauthentic when someone's murdered on camera. Why the silence? Why still? He must know. I really, I don't know. It's I don't know. Question. I don't no think. It. Like I, it's bad at this point. I fire can't come up with an excuse. Bad advice. If you're taking, if you, if you have a team around you that's saying no, 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 sit this one out. Here's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this at you. So this is a music industry equivalent of what Sidney Crosby sort of used to do. Taylor Swift, one of the biggest artists in music and was the top grossing tour for like seven straight years. You know, you can love Taylor Swift's music. You can hate it. I don't care. Um, that's really not the point here. The point is she was massively and is massively successful. And for a long, long time, because she came from country music, she wouldn't say anything that would decry the Republican Party, that would suggest to her followers that she didn't agree with some of the values that are associated with some of the music that she creates. 
Now, I'm not saying, I'm not putting country music in that category, especially country music in, like country music in Canada is very, very different than the States. Um, and it's, it's very much aligned with what you would say are Canadian values on the whole. Um, but, you know, country music in the States has been very quiet uh, in the past when it comes to these social issues. And a good chunk of that is because it's mostly white people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's a progression. Things have changed. We've seen a f- far more of a response from country music now. But I can tell you that the Taylor Swift playbook in 2012, 20, uh, 2011, 2013, 2014, whatever, was to say nothing politically. When they tried to, and I interviewed her uh, around that time, and now I wasn't trying to like trap her into questions, but there was a lot of uh, trying to push Taylor Swift to talk about things like uh, gay marriage or uh, things like, uh, you know, anything. You can, and the first time that you ever heard Taylor Swift talk about anything was uh, in the 2016 election. And she was talking about her home state and she was talking about a Republican governor that she was hoping that she was coming out against. She was, you know, reporting a, uh, supporting a Democratic candidate and it had a lot to do with Donald Trump running. And for a long, long time, her people were freaked right out that her saying anything would affect her album sales, would affect her merch sales, would affect her ticket sales. Now she's come out, she said that, she's already broken out on her own, and none of that's been affected. Nobody looks at Taylor Swift, like no, no Taylor Swift fan is like, well, she, doesn't, she stood on the right side of history, I sure hate that. And I think that's been the playbook for a lot of these NHL guys for a long, long time. They might have their personal beliefs, but I believe as Logan Couture said, and Jason Zucker eloquently pointed out as well, being silent and being supportive, being silently supportive is not enough. And for Taylor, in this particular instance, now she's come out, she's very, very much flies her flag of what she believes in and probably more popular than ever. And she hasn't really put out the strongest albums of her career in the last you know, couple of years, but still massively successful. When you look at what the NHL could be doing, and I'm, I'm relating this specifically to Connor McDavid, you don't, people will not forget this. This is not an incident that is small. We are now on day nine of massive protests worldwide. So a small three-sentence, four-sentence statement goes a long way, as we saw with Sidney Crosby. You know, three or four paragraphs, as we saw with Jonathan Taze and many, many others. I wonder what on earth could be holding them back. And I wonder if it's just bad PR reps. I don't know, man. I'm just, <clears throat> I really don't know. I know I told you that long, long-winded Taylor Swift story to tell you that she's more popular than ever because she stands for something. Mm-hmm. When, I, when, I got, uh, when I was put into mornings at Virgin Radio, the head of programming for iHeartRadio in Canada said to me, um, if we're going to give you this gig, can you make us a promise? And I said, sure. And he said, fucking stand for something. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, you can't, you can't be neutral on things anymore, important things. And that was a message for the entire show. And Adam um, got up there and said, go Habs, go. Go Habs. I freaking <laughs> love them. No, it, it, but, but that's, the, that's the point here, is you got to stand for something, especially now. And this is not a hard side to stand on. No, this isn't even this isn't even Republicans wear shoes too. No, no. This, this it, it, it's what not, are you going to say? Racist wear shoes too? Like, right? Isn't, if Connor McDavid wants to not say anything and 
just shoot pucks and skate around for the rest of his life, then okay, you can do that, but that's how we're going to remember you. Like, we're not going to think of you as anything more than that. And that's disappointing. That's sad. And we're, we'll judge. I'm personally going to judge him for it because his silence, like we've said, it says a lot. So that's how he's going to, we remember the people, like you said, Adam, who stand up for things, who, who have said something in their career and use their platform for good and go beyond sports. And if Conor McDavid doesn't want to do that, then okay, do that. But don't expect anything more from me for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, I, and I, I think that affects, I think that genuinely affects, um, and I, this would just be my personal opinion, but that plays into more than just hockey. Like hockey has tried for so long to sequester itself. Oh, he's a great leader on and off the ice. Well, off, this is the off the ice right? And, you know, you want to be captain of Team Canada one day? Forget it. I, don't, I just don't see how that, like, and, and here's the thing. Hockey's dumb enough that that'll still happen. But the reality <laughs> is that it's not going to be, there's going to be a segment of us, and I will be among them. If you, if you don't stand up and speak now, then I'm going to have a really, really hard time swallowing that. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if he wins 80 gold medals. I don't care. Yeah. It's I'm still going to be hard. I'm not going to forget this moment. No. It's so right. easy. No, exactly. And, and, you know, you could come up with something as, as, as vanilla as Mitch Marner's statement, which is, I don't know what to say, and uh, I'm going to sit back and listen. That's fine. I mean, I said the same thing on the last show. I was saying I, was saying I didn't know what to post, and I understand that point of view. I get, get where he's coming from. Sit back, listen, absorb, right? You're not going to be on the honor roll, but it's a passing grade. Right. But at least he, he acknowledged it. Uh, he didn't acknowledge the murder directly, uh, but you know, I, I think I think it's I think it's okay to say, listen, I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to sit back and listen. But acknowledge it, you have a platform, and I think Connor McDavid's got a responsibility to do that. I would be shocked if by the end of the day we haven't heard something. Now that Crosby's out with something, I feel like McDavid's going to. Yeah, and, and Ovechkin, by the way, did as well. Ovechkin just was after, right after our show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and Taves, I think, was during. Um, and I will say, beautiful. I do. Der- so I directly criticized the Bruins last show. And if you're going to come late, bring donuts. And they came out with as good a statement as any NHL team has. Mm-hmm. So they were late, but at least, you know, they came to the party prepared. Uh, and a lot of the players that we saw post after our show, um, I thought had some of the better statements. So, I mean. And sometimes it takes time to absorb mm-hmm. and make yep. a statement. Maybe you're working okay. on it. Maybe you're working on it, but uh, yeah, I'm 100% with you guys. It's got to, you got to say something eventually. Crying out loud. Just looking at all the statements, one thing I'm going to remember, in at least in this moment right now, is Ben and Jerry's. Like, oh this, man, this you can't be behind ice cream. Ice cream <laughs> company came out. They said, "Hey, this is not the result of a bad apple. It's because of a bad system. We hate racism." They explained Jim Crow and segregation. And, and Jamestown. They, and James, and then they outlined ways to combat racism and systematic uh, prejudices against the black community. Like, it's an ice cream. 
And I, I, that's sticking with me anytime I'm in my metro across the street. I'm looking at the ice cream counter. I want to get some ice cream. Like, I'm I'll be Ben and Jerry. It's also really good. Also, yeah. <laughs> it's also really um, good. But yeah, that's like, what, when I'm walking bit. down the ice cream aisle, I'm going to be like, I'm getting Ben and Jerry's, you know, because activism. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Legitimately, it's going to stick with me. But that's always been that. their brand. They've been like that for 50 years. I had no it, idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the the Cherry Garcia ice cream is is named after um, uh, Jerry Garcia, uh, the famous guitar player. And they they have been like, I believe Ben and Jerry were both like two hippies who were like serious, like really, you know, pro civil rights and uh, pro equality and, and stuff before it was uh, before it was, a, it was something that was codified in the law. So it's funny that um, it's not funny and it's not surprising that they came out with that because that's been the company mandate from the beginning. And it's funny to see an ice cream company do that, but it's, I mean, what an impact. Mm -hmm. And if, so if your brand, if your brand is good ice cream and anti-racism, you are just, you're winning life. <laughs> like that's your legacy. Here's the question. What a great legacy. How is not, how is not every ice cream brand such? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or every brand. I don't, this is not hard. This is a right. very low bar setting. I, I, what a no, ridiculous it, conversation. It says so much about the world that anti-racism, on a serious, though, it's completely serious now, anti-racism is still a thing we're fighting. And that's yes. what this whole thing is about. Yeah. The sign, I'm 61 and I can't believe we're still protesting this shit. Exactly. Have you seen that? Like, I saw uh, that at one yes. of the rallies. Different now, one other thing. Of it. One other thing I think we need to discuss. Well, there's a few other things. As of yesterday morning, I believe, the Red Wings, Senators, and New York Rangers had not issued statements about this. As of now, the last NHL team to not issue a statement regarding, um, regarding what's going on is the New York Rangers. Now, that's not when – when you know how discombobulated things are with the Knicks and the Rangers, not entirely surprising. Um, however – you would think, as I said last episode, that Gary Bettman would be hounding those guys to say, are you like, come on, guys, are you kidding me? The New York Rangers are a more valuable hockey team, at least recently, than, than the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're valued a bit more because they're in New York and they're the New York Rangers. Uh, they are, you know, they are one of the biggest names in the sport. And while their global brand might not be as big as, say, like a Leafs or something like that, they're flipping huge. And such an important part of the NHL's revenue, such an important part of the business model. They've got insane fans who, are, who, who love them and are of every race and creed in a metropolitan, cosmopolitan city like New York. And it is surprising, and a city like New York that's seen a ton of protests, it is surprising to me that they have not come up with anything yet. And you have to think that comes from the top. Well, James Dolan did speak on the issue and said that none of his, uh, the teams he owns will be making a statement. That guy sucks. He's just the worst. That guy sucks so bad. And he owns like multiple Washington. teams and multiple sports, right? Yep. And it's he like Washington's sucks. football team. You know, oh. their, their name is literally a slur and they're like, they put out a black square yesterday. Like, are Them and, me? and the 49ers. Oh, the yeah. 49ers, a lot of uh, they were out of all the this use I saw yesterday, they were the biggest this you. Yeah, yeah. Can I can I read Dolan's statement? Please sure. do. We have clarity on the issue. Um, he said, We know that some of you, this was an email to internal employees. We know that some of you have asked whether 
our company is going to make a public statement about the killing of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer. This is a turbulent time in our country. The coronavirus and civil unrest have taken their toll on our way of life. We at Madison Square Garden stand by our values of respect and peaceful workplace. We always will. As companies in the business of sports and entertainment, however, we are not any more qual qualified than anyone else to offer our opinion on social matters. Hmm. It comes straight from the top and it's garbage. So that's what he said. That's why he's not doing it. You know, it's, it's funny. You could give James Dolan a roadmap to um, like the exact roadmap to heaven and he'd end up in hell. Like he's just, he's just the guy that makes the wrong choice at every move. And you wonder how he became a billionaire. Like you just, you're like, I, and, and it's sort of one of those things that you just don't under, it's like you give him the instruction manual to us like an ikea piece of furniture and he can't build it you know like he's just it's so easy it's so easy the answer's right there and he can't do it and i think it's because a guy like him it, it i wouldn't even i don't even think it's a, it's a, it, it's a reflection of his whatever his opinions are i think it's just because he doesn't like to be told what to do and he flips off the world every time you know if you ask knicks fans how they feel about this guy and what a pain in the ass he is and, and how terrible he treats people. I mean, Charles Oakley, a Knicks legend, how he treated him. And uh, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't understand how James Dolan ever was successful because he is such an unsuccessful um, uh, guy that just gets in the way of everything. He's like the rich Eugene Melnick. He really is. Um, you know, he's got real money. I don't know how he did it. I don't know much about his background but he is one of the worst leaders I've ever seen in sport. It's crazy. He's a throwback to the Harold Ballards or the, the family that used to own the, the Blackhawks, uh, who I think still actually do own the Blackhawks, the, but their the grandfather. Words, the Words family. Yeah, the Words. Yeah. Uh, do they still own them? They do. Marshall? Um, I'm trying but to. But the grandfather was like a way out of touch. Yeah, I forget. Was it Bill? Yeah, I think it was Bill Ward. Yeah, kept the games off TV and everything. Um, he was um, he was put in positions by his father. It sounds like, because oh. um, he originally worked at uh, cable vision, and then his dad sent him to like a radio station to be the CEO, and then he came back and was the CEO of cable vision. That's kind of where he made all his money. I don't know. His Wikipedia page is very vague, but there's not like a big story about like him making all this money. So it was his dad. I don't know. Cause it's like it's, Trump. It was all his all dad. The answers are here, but it's just his dad. Yeah. So you, you get the visionary father who in most cases is a huge dick. And then you get the son who's just a huge dick without the vision. It's crazy. And the uh, grandfather who was arrested at a KKK rally. That's right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But we're not ready for that. Are we? <laughs> no, but we're not ready for that. So uh, I just, I, sorry, Jesse, go ahead. I was just going to add, it also notes here that uh, Dolan once lost $250 million in a failed whiz electronics business so whiz whiz is a electronics company he once started a store mm -hmm. a retail chain and he once lost 250 million dollars running that business into the ground quarter of a billion dollars sorry i'm sorry after the keandre uh, uh miller incident and you're the only one left you have to say yeah something, and you ought to be ashamed of yourself well if i'm the top i bet i bet the I bet people who work for the Rangers are mortified by this. How do you think people for the Knicks feel? A predominantly oh my God. black employed team. Yeah. 
Like, how do you think, how do you think the Knicks players feel? Who's going to sign in New York? Kevin Durant and, and uh, uh, get Kyrie anywhere Irvin anywhere. are laughing, laughing at this guy. Couldn't get anyone anywhere. No one's, no one's going to New York. No one's going to New York in the NBA. And, and because, it, like, who could play? Who could do that? And then in the, and, and with Keandre Miller, for, for example, like, this, he's a kid. He's been thrust into this against probably his, his wishes. He certainly didn't want to be the poster child for, for this, you know, a couple months ago when it happened. He's just Zoom. trying to answer fan questions. Exactly. And so how do you think he feels when his own organization won't stand up? If and that's I'm one of those other owners in either of those leagues. I try and get James Dolan out of there. I try and make him sell that team because you don't want that person in your club. This is so what we're trying to do here. We're trying to eradicate people who are unwilling to stand up to racism. And James Dolan is clearly on that list. And if you're one of the other 29 or 30 owners in the leagues, you don't want him in that club. No. Your little, your little group where you're affecting a large swat of the world, you know? Can I give you an idea of the, of the bare minimum they could do? Keandre Miller himself released uh, a statement on Twitter on June 1st. So this is two days ago. This is Monday, the day we did our last show. It's, I don't know, 250 words, several paragraphs, really thoughtful, et cetera, et cetera. The Rangers' last tweet of any kind was May 30th. They didn't even retweet him. Like, like we're talking bare minimum, bare minimum stuff here. They didn't even do a black square. They didn't do nothing. They, wh- what was their last like? Let me see. The Knicks either. The Knicks, there's nothing. Maybe they're, uh, I hope the employees are protesting him. Their but... last like, you know, a tweet from May 29th. My little goalie just signed up all the way from Louisville, Kentucky. She's so excited. Like, th- <laughs> you, you haven't touched the New York Rangers, mm-hmm. 1.4 million followers. You haven't touched your Twitter account in five days. Yep. And Tony D'Angelo even, even came out with a statement. And that guy. You are behind, Tony. Like, and that yes, guy Adam. called people racial slurs in his junior career. For which we don't, I don't know if he's ever apologized. Uh, that I don't know. I don't know. This I is mean, really pathetic looking at yeah, what yeah. they've done. Wow. Like you're behind and, and Tony D'Angelo is like, well, he's, he's making about the looters now on his Twitter because of course he is. But the, listen, I'm, I did bad at some things in school. I got a, I got a few twenties and thirties on it. You didn't even hand it in. Yeah. Something, anything brutal. Yeah. I once showed up to a class uh, in university. I think it was an English class and I didn't read the book that uh we were doing the essay on so i handed in a blank test wow you didn't even try i've never told anybody that story wow man i didn't know the book i didn't read it dude it was a nice test and i got so so that this would never fly in university but this this was a high school thing this was a teacher trying his best to extend an olive branch to uh, like a student who just clearly didn't care. And he was going to do the same thing on a test. He's like, sir, uh, I, I didn't read it. I did not read the book. And there was a question on it, like write an essay about, I don't remember what the book was. And the teacher, <laughs> teacher just goes, there are, there's marks for spelling and grammar. Write anything. anything. 
And he read it aloud to the whole class. And it was literally like, I like chicken. I like pork too. Sometimes a good old beef hamburger. Chicken is my favorite. And like, and like he read it to the whole class and it was great. And he only got like, I think it was like a two out of five, two out of six. He got something. Yeah, he got yeah. something. Yeah. A zero. What do they tell you in, in uh, when you're grading on a curve? Zero is a killer. One is like a million times better. A zero will murder your grade. It will just destroy it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, in this case, it's your public image. So I cannot believe the the Rangers and Knicks uh, wouldn't, but then I can. Then I can. Now, right. another thing I do want to talk about, and I think this is a positive thing ultimately, is growth. There's a lot of people who are going through a lot of growth and a lot of people who, like myself, just were blissfully unaware that any of this existed. Uh, you know, if you were to ask me, when we started this show about most of this stuff, I would have had zero understanding of it. I would have known racism existed, probably not to this extent, uh, and had no idea, even a fraction of an idea of what it's like to grow up as a person of color. And, um, and this being on this podcast, being exposed to many, many, many different points of view has really helped. And obviously what's going on in the world has really helped. Uh, and that's why I want to shine a spotlight here on Kendall Coyne, uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield now. Um, a tweet from 2016. So disgusted with Colin Kaepernick. Soldiers fight for this country every day so you can make millions. Now you contrast that with yesterday when she said black lives matter. Not just today, every single day. We must choose to educate ourselves, listen and act to resist the oppression and injustices that stand in the way of that vision, hashtag Blackout Tuesday. Now, uh, there were a lot of people who were like, uh, that was a this you thing. This you? This you? Now, she came out with a statement later, and I think this is really important. She said, I was one of the people who initially thought Colin Kaepernick kneeling was disrespectful. I reacted to what he was doing instead of why. Then I listened and I learned. Instead of just deleting a misinformed tweet I posted four years ago, I should have been clear back then and now, not just knowing it, but I should have said it. So let me be absolutely clear. It was never about the flag. It was never about my family members who served. It wasn't about me. It always was and is about George Floyd and the countless others who came before him. It's about justice and equality. I know better. I will continue to do better. To me, that looks like growth. Yeah. Kudos and you have to, to her. Well, you, and I was going to, I wanted to open it up, up to you guys because I think that there has to be um, some room for that, right? We are trying to educate people, which means that their opinions from four years ago probably going to be out of date. I know mine certainly are. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I think, the, I think the whole idea here of everybody speaking out is to change minds because that's, that's the only way any change is going to happen is if we get a collective consensus that uh, racism is bad and it is prevalent in society and that we need to eradicate it somehow yeah. or at least create a system where it can't be exploited. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she was willing to speak openly about that, I think is so powerful because that's the entire idea here. The entire idea is to change minds and hers was changed. So you can't say enough about how great that is. I, I, I'm just, I'm reminded of the uh, Michael Che thing that I retweeted earlier where, you know, he was trying to explain black lives matter versus all lives matter. And, and just the, the little part where you just go racism's bad. Like that's, that's holy shit. That's what we're fighting over. 
right now. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous you even have to say it. And we're not, we're not even trying to change minds like from four years ago. We're trying to change mine from like last week before you saw the George Floyd video. Mm-hmm. We're hoping that since that point, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were just eating hot dogs on YouTube Live, that since that point, <laughs> oh my God, that was it, now <laughs> on June 3rd, that your mind has changed and that you've taken the time to research some of these things and realize what is actually happening in the world and the issues that matter to certain communities and how they're being affected and that your mind is open now and changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you blew my mind with, with that message last night. You're like, by the way, we ate hot dogs on May 1st. <laughs> yeah, Dude. that's why I brought I was that like, up. what? <laughs> was like, what? Oh, my ago. God. What a, what a decade this last month has been. <laughs> right? Um, it's crazy. Ru- the Rudy Gobert announcement that he had COVID, that was oh. in like 2012. I know. Remember I know. when Tom Hanks had it? Yes. You know, that was the next day. In Australia. Or was it that <laughs> night? I can't remember. Yeah, like – yeah okay man man like david Ayers, did that really happen are we sure i think it did remember when we were outraged (laughs) enough things have happened over the past three months that we can just forget that happened yeah i think stop stop changing that you can't ever forget why damn it (laughs) oh the video right yeah (laughs) well yeah what 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 she said was terrific and i don't think you could ask anything more from a person in right now especially in this climate well and, and and i don't blame people for asking the question like hey you did write this you know you should be accountable for this um and she was yeah. uh i don't blame people for asking the question uh but i do want to caution a little bit against too much of the gotcha thing mm-hmm. like oh we've uncovered the next racist there are enough outward racists um i think what we want to do is evolve opinions and you don't do that by, uh, my favorite term, tap dancing on someone's grave. You know what I mean? You don't do that by saying nana nana boo boo. You do that by saying, hey, listen, that, that's not a good look. And when you can finally get them to come around as to why it's not, not only is it not a good look, forget the look, it's, it's not a good and accurate statement, period. It's an ignorant statement. But she stepped up to the plate Full respect. It's awesome. And that's, that's leadership. That's acknowledging you're wrong. And she's a leader, especially in the women's game. I mean, she's a huge star. Um, we need stars like that to step up. And look at that. The women's game stars will step up. I mean, name a, a star in the PWHPA that has not stepped up. Like every one of them have said something. And we're still talking about how the NA, certain NHL teams and certain superstar NHL players still haven't said something. Like, it's – yeah. Uh, the, sure is sorry, interesting. Sorry to go back to the Rangers, but, like, like J- Jesus Lord, it's not even that they haven't said anything. It's that they did say something, and then it's that they're not going to say anything else. Right. If I were to counsel Connor McDavid, if I were to counsel James Dolan, what you don't want to do is wait for your first interview when someone says – what do you think? And why didn't you say anything? You don't want that. I think you'll have better luck with McDavid than Dolan. Well, no, here's the thing. McDavid would, would say, well, it's obviously bad and I don't like it. And, you know, like a typical hockey player speak. But you don't want to wait for somebody to ask you. Take the initiative, step up, say something. That's what the expectation is. You want to be a superstar in this game, in this day and age? Can't sit in the sidelines anymore, man. It's time. And we'll move on from that. So... Um, 
I think, you know, when we talk about where the NHL is going with this and, you know, I, I, you know, with, with PK donating his money with Taze, with his statement, Crosby with his, um, you know, very uncomfortable conversations coming in the NHL. And I think uh, uh, the 31 Thoughts podcast sort of gets into this as well. How do we make sure that we don't lose momentum? Because this has been a problem before. There's been a lot of words, not necessarily been a lot of follow through. And I don't expect us to solve that today. But what, what do we do in, within the hockey community? And this is our tiny little corner of it to not lose that sort of momentum. Because this is, you know, when hockey comes back and, you know, maybe things calm down, although there's an American election coming, so things are not going to calm down. Um, I, I, it's easy and I, and it doesn't need to be something that, that is like, there's like some big sweeping thing. My worry though, is that, you know, we have these conversations, these things happen, everybody's got, everybody means well. And then in a week or two or three, something else comes up and we lose momentum. And I think, especially in hockey, we've seen some progress and I would really like for that to continue what's that got to look like and you mentioned the uh the 31 thoughts podcast and they did have uh kim davis the nhl's executive vice president for social impact and growth initiatives on the show their last episode and it gave me it gave me some hope because she is she is a, a black woman and she talked about how going forward it's about creating that real change and she spoke about getting the nhl into the communities where they don't see the nhl she had a son who uh grew up playing sports and he did not play hockey because he didn't he didn't feel invited to the hockey team it was predominantly white and he chose a different sport because mainly because he didn't see it, you know, he didn't see people like him playing hockey. So if instead of, there's a lot of community outreach within the NHL game right now, the NHL does a great job of being in these small towns, but getting them into these places where people don't see hockey players and don't see hockey at all is so important going forward. And when the game resumes, when you're allowed to see people again, and you can go out and do these community initiatives, it's so important for these NHL players and their different foundations and outreach programs to get into situations where there are young black kids so that they can grow up and understand that hockey is a great sport with a lot of great people in it and that you can grow up loving this game and a lot of great things will come out of it. But until uh, different communities, people of different backgrounds until they see the game, they won't have an understanding of it. So I think the NHL, as long as they start right after this and they start moving on those issues, then something can actually change. Uh, Ryan Reeves was on the radio with us uh, today on uh, Sportsnet. And, you know, he, he talked about that representation that was really important. You know, if, if you go, uh, you know, to a hockey camp uh, and there's, and there's, you know, black children there and children of, you know, other ethnicities, you can't just show up with 10 white guys. You know what I mean? Even if they're really good hockey players, mm-hmm. um, you gotta, you know, you can show up with some, no one's saying you can't, but you, you gotta show everyone. This is what hockey looks like. 
this you can do it too. You are welcome here. But I think that's really important. Yeah, even if you're even if you're showing up with five guy five white guys, don't just take those five white guys to the white neighborhoods. You know, mm-hmm. take those yes. five white guys and plump them in the black communities. It'll do wonders <laughs> for hockey. Give it a shot. I think I believe that Kim Davis will try that, especially if this if the spotlight doesn't sh- stop shining on these issues going forward. And uh, let me add this in there. Like, what do we do going forward? When you speak out about something, the reaction from people has been largely, has been largely positive, but the reaction you want is not one of pleasant surprise. You know what I mean? You want this to be, let everyone know where you are. When Blake Wheeler spoke up first, everyone was like, absolutely. That makes perfect sense because we've known the kind of person Blake Wheeler is for a long time. When Braden Holtby said what he said, of oh. course, there's, there's countless receipts for Braden Holtby. Go Braden. Good for you. Don't be the typical, yeah, you know, pucks in deep, give it 110% hockey guy that that's all you do. Don't just be that. Don't simply be good at hockey. Like the the it's effort not even that don't. It, it's you can't. Yeah, and you can't. the The effort that it took for the players to say what they have, I think, was pretty minimal compared to the impact it had. So don't let it be. Um, don't let the reaction to the next time you speak out about something be one of pleasant surprise. Interesting. I definitely, through this whole thing, like, I always go back to, hey, this happened 100 years ago. This happened 50 years ago. This happened 25 years ago. This happened in 2014. This happened in 2016. Like, Black people have been dying at the hands of police for a long time, and the system's been in place for a long time, and I definitely worry that, okay, we did this, that we saw all the riots this past weekend. We did these things on Monday. Okay. We had blackout Tuesday and now it's Wednesday and maybe by Friday. Oh, Hey, we have another news cycle like internally. So I carry that with me that I'm like, okay, I don't want these people to, to, we have momentum here. Let's not stop this. Let's keep talking about these issues. Let's keep having these athletes talk. Let's keep having uh, people in the media talk about it. So yeah, it's definitely a concern, but we can't, you can't really worry about the future. You just got to keep working towards it. Right. Right. Absolutely. The, the darkest sign that I saw was, uh, you think it's bad now, wait till they let him off with no charges. Yeah. And it was just like, holy shit. Um, but even that changed uh, just a few minutes before the show began. Uh, uh, Chauvin has now, uh, I think they're upgrading the charge to second degree murder and the three other officers involved are being charged with something as well. I don't know if it was announced before the show. <sighs> And it's because people didn't let up. Mm-hmm. That's why they didn't do this out of the goodness of their heart. I think because uh, people forced them to. I think uh, Minnesota has also filed a human rights complaint against Minneapolis's um, police department. I believe I read that today. That's I don't know what that means, but uh, uh, and I don't know. Yeah, it sounds great, but I just don't like. Is it a paper move? Like, what does it mean? Uh, what will the outcome of that be other than hopefully, I mean, maybe this is the best outcome, a gigantic review of everything going on. It's funny because 
a lot of things are coming out about the department and they've had a massive review before they had a um an openly gay i believe it was the police chief and mm-hmm. she gained some national spotlight i believe when obama was president he had met with her and all this stuff and then she got uh she exposed all these uh problems within the organization and then she actually herself got into trouble with within the police community what happened? in Minneapolis. I don't, I don't have the details. I don't wow. have uh, the story up in front of me and I don't want to just guess on it. But yeah, so the, there has been a lot of trouble in Minneapolis with their police force. Can I say something exposing my own ignorance for a second? Sure. Minneapolis, St. Paul is the last place I would have thought something like this would have been the touch point for. It just is. I, yeah. I would, would never like you could give me most American capitals and it would be like among the last. I just, not my impression of the state, not my impression of the city. Um, and uh, I, I was very, very surprised. Shows maybe I shouldn't rooted, have been. Shows you how deep rooted the issue is, right? Oh yeah. hundred percent. No, I, I really, the thing I is, I'm not going to lie. I was like Minnesota. Yeah. Well, exactly. And it could, that's the thing though. That's you, 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 you touched it. I think Steve is that it's deep rooted everywhere. I mean, I even saw, um, I don't know if you guys saw the video of the, uh, the protests happening in Seattle, which is also known as a very progressive city. And there's, it's like a bird's eye view from a building looking down and there's a line of uh, riot police and then there's protesters and throngs of protesters, nothing happening. And then all of a sudden you can see the pepper spray come out, people start running and then the uh, tear gas comes out and they, you know, they, then they really disperse. Um, you know, it's, that's the, that's oh, the stuff oh, that you're like, for what reason? Oh, Adam, you might be asked to apologize for saying that tear gas is tear gas. Oh, what? The White House literally asked uh, reporters to issue a retraction saying that their tear gas was not tear gas. It was in fact something that was basically tear gas. I yeah. don't know what that is. We, we live really? in the upside down. I don't blame you for not knowing what that is because there's something every five minutes. Yeah, I've never. This is why people are sleeping two hours a night <laughs> because something Damn. happens every five minutes. This is why I wake up red-eyed and tweeting at Andrew six nine Takashi friggin'. Steve, I, <laughs> I thought through this whole thing you'd be getting so much more sleep because you have nowhere to go now. You don't go into like the Sportsnet offices. <laughs> you don't have to come down and record the podcast yeah, with us. Taking why aren't naps? you like? fucking sleeping 12 hours a day oh uh, naps you guys you guys are lucky i'm jealous of you because i'm not jealous of your schedule but the fact that you guys have the ability to nap it's like i'm an eashl player and it's a, i don't have napping in one of my slots it's just not in my abilities you don't you can't nap i nap probably i'm not kidding once a month wow i nap almost every day I have to. God, I'm so jealous. I think that yeah. means, Steve, you're getting enough sleep. Yeah, maybe. No, I think it Adam really doesn't. Adam and I nap because we wake up so early. Yeah. Like, we're up at 4 a.m. and we got to nap. Just misery. <laughs> you know what? You know what's, what's great about being up at 4 a.m. is you don't, you don't wake up and open Twitter first thing when you wake up that early. You're just trying to just be alive. So that was that's the, one, the one nice thing about doing morning radio in the summer uh, about a year ago is uh, it was nothing except like a couple Australians and British people I followed. <laughs> like, like that was it. Yeah. Both and of it was- you did morning radio on the fan, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
How did you guys handle the games the night before? Just uh, was exhaustion. Just exhaustion. I, I woke up in red. I mean, I would watch them as much as I could, but you know, there's also like, like to, to suggest that you could sit there and watch every game when it's baseball season and there's 40 million of them going on. Right. Uh, sometimes there's double headers. Like you need to, you need to read. And so I would get up early to read uh, a lot of the things and the Jays suck. So it was pretty easy. Like yeah. uh, this is going to, they're going to lose. And who are they trading Josh Donaldson for? That was basically the, the question. And then it was Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi. So I listened to, well, the Kawhi stuff was very helpful, but I listened to the overnight radio on the way in. No, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you do need to know your stuff and you do need to watch part of the game. Uh, but the reality is with most games, the way ratings work is most people pay attention to the first part of it and then kind of drift out. The ratings kind of go whoop and then they kind of sink down as the game goes on because people go to bed, they have lives, they've got kids to put down, they've got, you know, whatever. So um, you got to catch a little bit of the flavor of the game, figure it out and talk about it. And you can talk about events that happened in the game without having seen them live. You just have to see them. You have to make sure that you saw them. Um, so I'd always have the highlights on and um, I was, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived right across the, uh, the street at that point from Rogers. <laughs> oh yeah. So I would just put on uh, sports sports center on my uh, sports net app and sorry, sports net or uh, on my sports net app. And I would uh, watch it as I walked over the thing. Cause no one was on the road. Right. So, yeah. And I also, it helped that, Greg Brady is like a encyclopedia, like he's like a photographic memory. So if I didn't know something, he could pick up the slack. And Hugh Burrell is probably the kindest human being oh. on the planet. Oh, the list of nice people that I've compiled, Hugh Burrell's at the top. Uh, he There's is a lot of people top. that you've put at the top. But Hugh <laughs> is the best. He's so great. And, uh, and, and so, you know, he always had his updates and stuff like that too. And just, the thing is, is that with, with morning sports radio, it's a trend thing, right? It's never just the game the night before unless there was like a major event. It's the Leafs have won five of their last six. Right. They won last night, but it's five of their last six. Let's talk about that. And, they'll, and they bring on guests and everything else. But if I was like a um, – if I was just doing like a hockey show, I think, I would probably stay up, watch the games, and just suck it up and be tired. But, um, you know, it's, it's hard. Like, it is hard. That's, it was something I could do – because i knew i was doing the show for a few days yeah you know what i mean it's not a sustainable way to for be the rest of your life <laughs> yeah i had to do man i had to do uh highlights for the sochi olympics and my shift started at midnight and that was something i was able to do for i think it was four days on three days off three days on or something like that oh. and it was the only reason i was able to do it um is because it, it wasn't like if i didn't have those three days off i don't know how i would have done it mm -hmm. yeah it would have been impossible i like i did not change the way i lived i've always said <laughs> and this and shift workers will know what i'm talking about here it's harder to jump into a shift uh than it is to do it sustained over years so mm -hmm. you know when we talk about like rotations that that uh, firefighters or like paramedics or whatever would have uh it's tougher on the first day than it is any other day um and eventually your body finds some sort of rhythm. But if you're like, whenever people come up and they like sub in on a morning show and they're like, wow, this is so hard. I don't know how you do this every day. And it's like, well, that's because you're not, your body's not accustomed to this and it's going to be hard. And so you do have to remember that too. Like there are doctors and nurses that are on rotating schedules for their whole lives, right? So it's like, well, this week 
I'm doing days. And then next week I'm doing evenings. And then the next week after that, I'm doing overnights into the early morning. That is crazy hard. And the worst advice I got throughout all that is because I'm like, okay, in order to not die throughout all this, I have to sleep when it's light out. And I had difficulty doing that. And I was told, oh, take melatonin. And so I, I took melatonin, which I don't even know exactly what it is, but basically it makes you sleep. And I would wake up like I'd been punched in the head repeatedly while I was asleep, just completely disoriented. And uh, a, a bunch of my friends who are shift workers, mostly paramedics, were like, no, actually over a sustained period of time, that's terrible for you. Yes, it is. Because yeah. it makes it... It makes it subs it, in your melatonin. Yeah, because like melatonin is yeah. something that naturally occurs in your body when you're trying to fall asleep and wake up. Like it mm -hmm. just kicks in automatically based on your uh, circadian rhythm. So the, if you're Whoa. taking it all the time and <laughs> just using it all willy-nilly, you're ruining your body there, Steve. What? Where were you when you discovered you were the dumbest person on a podcast with your name in it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, jesse uh jesse's one of the most uh or at least has been in the past the most uh dedicated uh sleepers that i've ever known like he goes to bed at, what do you when, when do you go to bed i try like i've been slipping a little but i tried like 7 30 to 4 a.m is my consistent schedule what was that word you used your circadian rhythm isn't that a bug no it <laughs> makes, the, <laughs> makes the buzzing noise in the summer it's a circadian are we doing a press conference today Yes, 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 we Let's are. do it. The Presser SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. All right. Today's press conference question comes from... Steve looks like he needs to say something. Oh, oh go ahead, Steve. What is it, Steve? I just wanted to read a tweet of actual hockey news. Oh, okay, good, good. Uh, this is good. It's from Greg Beecham who works for the Associated Press, Ducks GM Bob Murray. So he did a press conference like right at the beginning of the show. Uh, Bob Murray says he tried to stay out of the dressing room this season to allow Dallas Eakins to coach. But now he feels that was a mistake. In, in quotes, that was a mistake. Some of the kids were allowed to get away with murder this year, and that's over. Accountability in this group is going to change. Which sounds an awful lot like Dallas Eakins is getting fired. <laughs> or a bunch of ducks are getting traded. That's a pretty strongly worded statement from a general manager, don't you think? Yeah, especially one that's done everything he can not to assemble a good team for the last three years. Sure seems like blame-placing to me. And uh, I, don't, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for the position that the ducks oh. are in. They're the ones that signed all the bad deals they're on. Oh, here we go. Connor McDavid. Good. All right. Uh, this is great. This is what you get when you ask, I guess. Read it, Stephen. Like everyone else, I watched the horror of George Floyd's murder and felt helpless and sick to my stomach. And as I have watched the many protests against racism and social injustice that have been taking place around the world, I realized that I need to do more to educate myself. Dot dot dot. That I need to learn more about the history of racism in our countries, plural, and to listen to the voices and the perspectives of the black community and other racial minorities to try and understand how I can help to affect positive change going forward. As a young white male and pro athlete, I recognize that we live a very privileged life. 
I believe that the time is now for all of us to get out of our comfort zones, not to sit idly on the sidelines, and to be part of the solution to ensure that we end racism in our society. Connor McDavid. Great. There it is. Awesome. Well said. That's perfect. If you come that late, matters. bring donuts. Yep. That matters. Yeah. Okay, Jesse. The press conference question comes from Connor McDavid. Hey, Connor. No, <laughs> it comes from Ian. Ian at Saskly fan uh, on Twitter. Oh, it's Saskatchewan Leafs fan. How mm. Adam, mm. can you tell me about when Western Canada was settled? <laughs> Love the show. Uh, Get some Canadian history in this new segment. Canadian history. Uh, okay, so Western Canada is an interesting story because Western Canada almost became Western United States. Um, for instance, at a certain point, Fort Calgary, which at the time was just a fort, uh, flew an American flag for many years. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, the, uh, it's the 49th parallel, right? That's, that runs along. That wasn't agreed to until much, much later. So what happened was there, the British had um, some fishing rights and uh, there was a, uh, a fellow named George Vancouver who, who discovered a lot of the BC, what is now BC kind of uh, coastline. Um, so they had some sort of settlement there, and what they couldn't agree on with the Americans was where that their their settlement ended and the Americans uh, began. And especially like you know, remember guys remember Oregon Trail, right? So there was thing, there was the, the the whole thing was America was trying to settle that that part of the world and and manifest destiny, which is a very American concept, um, was part of like they we want everything west of here basically. And the Canadian government and, at, you know, at the time, the British government um, agreed because they didn't want to go to war again on uh, some boundaries that existed. But for a long, long time, you had British Columbia and then you had Upper and Lower Canada, which are Quebec and Ontario. And then you had New Scotland, Nova Scotia. You had New Brunswick uh, and Newfoundland, which didn't become a Canadian uh, province until 1949. And so the... Um, during Confederation, um, there were one of the major things that Canada had to do uh, when they had their conference in Charlottetown. Um, you know, guys like George Brown and Johnny McDonald and, you know, other people that we've never heard of before because we're horrendous at teaching our own history. Unless you went uh, to George Brown. <laughs> did, who went to, did you go to George Brown? No. No. Um, George Brown actually <laughs> is one of the in terms of founding fathers in Canada, uh, one of the most important because there was a lock, they were locked in and he compromised with Sir John A. Macdonald, allowed Sir John A. Macdonald to become the first uh, prime minister. Um, but what they did was they said, okay, the first thing we're going to do is build a railroad. So we build it right across the prairies so that we can tie both ends of Canada together. That was what the thing was because at the time you weren't, if you wanted to go to BC, you were literally sailing around the southern tip of South America. If you wanted to go from Nova, like it would have been, would have been faster and easier to do that than it would have been to cross the country because the country is huge. It's Isn't such a big place. It's wild. And at the time, 
there wasn't much in the way of settlement uh, going on beyond like, I mean, there was, there were settlements and that sort of thing, but you had play, the, the Plains uh, native Canadian Aboriginal peoples. Uh, you had a significant Métis population and a lot of them were fur traders and trappers. Uh, and what they did uh, was they, um, when they built this railroad, they would actually give certain counties. So you would bid on sections of the railroad. So if you were, let's say you were the, I don't know, let's say you're Toronto and you have to, you're responsible for building this part of the railroad, you would get it leased to you from the government and you would be given a time frame to build it and you would be given a budget. And if you came in under budget, you got to keep the money. So the government would say, here's $100,000, build this section of railroad. If you build it for 50,000, then you get to keep the other 50,000. The problem with that strategy is that there are certain spots in Canada that are very inhospitable and very hard to put a railroad track over. So what happened is a lot of counties just went under, just completely got destroyed by this financially because they thought they could do it cheaply. They ended up not being able to do it cheaply and they ended up bankrupting themselves trying to get it built because they had to, they agreed to build it. Right. Uh, so, so like a bunch of them were just like, Hey, let's just try and do this for 5,000 bucks and keep the rest of the 95. And yep. then it failed. It was, it was kind of considered like economic stimulus too, right? It would help build communities around the railroad track because they knew from what they saw in Europe and what they saw in the United States that communities sprung up around the railroad. And that's what they needed. They needed people out there. So, uh, and a lot, of, um, a lot of how they built um, the railroads through the Rocky Mountains was imported Chinese labor, which was cheap, uh, almost free. And they treated these guys terribly and tried to send them back afterwards. And I mean, the first Asian communities in this country were because of uh, labor and, and specifically railroad building. So it'd be Chinese or Japanese people that had come over, were treated horrendously, given nothing, died. The death rate is, and I don't have it obviously on hand, the death rate from the, 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 the TNT detonations alone or falling off a cliff or whatever. Like you can imagine chipping away on the side of a mountain sitting on a plank like a two by four with a rope and that was it and there was thousands of feet below you and you were lowered down there at the beginning of the day and you were hopefully brought up at the end of it that's that's how it went it was crazy but it doesn't happen here oh it oh, oh deep-seated racism here um so then uh then what they did was and this is because they were uh and this was there was racial policy here as well um, they wanted to pull immigrants uh, who were great farmers in from Europe. So they went to Eastern Europe and they went to places like the Ukraine um, where, and that's why you have a lot of Ukrainians in Western Canada because they were great plains farmers. They, the, 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 um, the wheat farming, which in Canada is great, is also enormous in the Ukraine. So that if they could bring poor Ukrainians over who knew how to farm wheat, that was really good because the Western, Western Canada is the breadbasket of the country. And, and especially back then, it was really important. So you have a ton of Ukrainians coming out on these, on these trains. Um, you have native peoples, as always in North America, pushed to backwoods reserves. Um, you have uh, buffalo herds. They would stop the trains if they, if they found a buffalo herd and literally just shoot all the buffalo um, and, and leave them. They wouldn't take them with them. They wouldn't harvest the meat. They wouldn't do anything to shoot them. Um, it's, a, it's a crazy story of, uh, for a lot of families, um, when they got out west, it was very, very hard to 
get supplies, if you got the supplies, um, you would be able to um, hopefully build something. But you had to build something. And you, as we know in Western Canada, building, building a house is hard. Surviving a Western Canadian winter is hard. You know, it's minus 40. It's windy. There aren't a lot of trees and a lot of split. Yeah, crazy, crazy hard. Uh, imagine that you're living in a peat moss hut because that's how most people, most families with babies, you know, uh, spent their first winter. They spent them in these little peat moss mud huts and that's how they built this country. Um, it, the I don't know kind what of peat moss is. Peat moss is a thick, um, it's like a thick, muddy sort of uh, thing that, like, it's a, it's a, how do I explain this? Um, hang on. Peat moss sounds like a, f- like a fourth round draft pick of the Everett Silver. It, does. <laughs> it, it does. sounds like. Uh, uh, so it's. I was gonna say a wide receiver, but I'm just thinking of Randy Moss. So peat moss is sort of a it's a it's a mud or a soil, um, but it, it it there's this um, kind of green ground cover that grows up around it, and it's really tough. And it works out west because huh. it, you got to be a tough plant to grow out west. It's and like so, soil that looks alive. Yeah, basically, and it's a little you know, and it's it's sort of clumpy, so you could build things with it, and you would, and that's and it would be like wood framed, and then you'd stick peat moss in it, and that would be it. Home Depot um, is out of stock of uh, Miyoko Grow peat moss. It's wow. good stuff. It's really healthy. Like it's great earth, great uh, lots of uh, lots of nutrients in it. If you're a gardener, so yeah, the the Western Canada was settled a lot by that and by pushing people off their lands, and you know all the typical stories that you hear. Um, you know there was a great migration in the United States. We all know about the Oregon Trail and about uh, California and that sort of thing. Um, sort of the same thing in Canada, only we put out posters across Eastern Europe in Eastern European languages saying, hey, come out and farm here and, and completely lied to people, right? It was like, you'll be millionaires. Like it was, you know, there was no advertising standards councils back then, right? So it was like, it's the streets are paved with gold. It's fantastic. There's, you could never, and, and a lot of people end up just disappearing and dying. Uh, it's, pictures in the summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's... 12 or 10 months of the year you can't farm and then the other two months you're working your ass off so it's a uh it's a it's a crazy story i wish i could go into more detail than that but it it, it is more a foundational section of the country <laughs> yeah i know we could do a whole adam a lot of detail it. yeah anyway there you go awesome such an adam thing to say oh <laughs> well because historians actual historians would be like uh you said what their homes were made of, Adam. Well, yeah. I wish I could have gone more into depth than the thing I talked about for 15 minutes straight. Like with no help from my co-hosts whatsoever. You don't All remember right. the Pete, Pete Moss Hut stories? No. <laughs> <laughs> to end the show, do you guys want to play uh, Who Had More? Leafs all-time stats? Yes. yes, let's do it. All right. Love so this game. This game, do we want to do... Uh, to, to, to do game-winning goals or penalty minutes. Game. Game-winning goals. Yeah. Game-winning game goals. goals. Game-winning goals. All right. Yeah. First up, Tim Horton. Oh. Or James Van Riemsdyk. Who had more game-winning goals? I think this is a trick question. It's James Van Riemsdyk. You want me to pick Tim Horton? Because you Tim Horton in. scored very few goals as a Leaf. He was like a like a rock 
solid Gronk looking defenseman. Mm-hmm. I am going to say JVR. Tim Horton played 1,184 games as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Wow. wow. JVR, Just with the Leafs? JVR played 413. JVR scored 20 game winning goals. Tim Horton scored. 19. Oh, oh hey, there you go. <laughs> Good job, guys. Wow. Right. Wait, he scored 19 game winning goals. Tim I'm surprised Horton. he scored 19 goals, man. Tim Horton scored 115 goals over his 1,445 NHL game career. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me bad. more than 10% of the goals he scored were game winners. High ratio. His career high was 12. Performs Damn. under pressure. All right. 12 is higher than I thought. Who has more game-winning goals? Jonas Hoagland or Vincent Damfus? Vinny Damfus scored a lot for the Leafs. Uh, but he wasn't a Leaf for very long. No, they should have kept him, though, I think. Vinny Damfus played for garbage Leafs teams, but they were in the 80s. And he was on the line with Russ Courtnell, wasn't he? The kid Yeah, line? but... So here's the thing, though. It's not that he scored. I bet he scored more goals. But game winning is completely circumstantial. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to say Hoagland because he would have been on the ice with Sundin. And they would have won more games. I'm going to say Damfus because if Hoagland had a brain in his head, he would have passed it. <laughs> Damfus had 16 game winning goals. Jonas Hoagland had 15. Yes! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> wow. 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 All right, next up. That, it's shocking that Hoagland had that many. It's yeah. shocking. Yeah. yeah. Next up is Paul Henderson or Austin Matthews. Ooh. Who had more game-winning goals, Paul Henderson or Austin Matthews? Matthew, I remember the story with Matthews in his rookie season when he scored those 40 goals. Is He like led the league in first-period goals. And if you score in the first period, it's probably not a game winner. But the other option is Paul Henderson, who was not a, lot, a big scorer. A lot of hockey guys hate when his name gets brought up uh, with regard to the Hall of Fame because he was very good. But it's not the Hall of Very Good, and I scored a big goal once. <laughs> Which is disrespectful, but kind of true. <laughs> a I, I, I interviewed Paul Henderson a couple times, and, and he says that too. Yeah, he's not, he's, not, uh, he's not shy about that. He said, you know, I was a good player, but like, I wasn't like a star. not an all-timer. No. Like, oh, well, he was on Team Canada. So was Rob Zaminer, man. Like, he, people can have good stretches. I'm going to say Matty. I'm going to say Austin Matthews. And I'm going to say Paul Henderson. All right. Paul Henderson had 22 game-winning goals. Oh, that's so many. That's a lot. That's a lot. Austin Matthews has 23. Ah! (laughs) Austin Matthews. Already? Yes. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. He's he's very high on the list. He's 26th all-time. That's embarrassing, Leafs. Embarrassing. Yep. Draft more talent. Wow. Wow. I hope the next 100 years are better than last. Simply get the first pick more. Next up, yeah, Dougie exactly. Gilmore or Alexei Ponikarovsky. Ooh. <laughs> Dougie. Pony was a leaf forever. He was. And Dougie wasn't. 
Five and a half seasons or something? Dougie wasn't, and he wasn't a goal scorer, but the Leafs won games when Doug Gilmore was the Leaf. Ponikarovsky was put with Sundin because he was literally ineffective with everybody else. They called him the skyline. Bill, Bill yeah. Peters called him the flatline, though. It was Sundin, Ponikarovsky, and Antropov, which in NHL 2006 was just this coming down the <laughs> Um I am going to say Dougie. I, I will say it. Dougie. You guys are both saying Dougie. Dougie had 13 game-winning goals. Ooh. Alexei Ponikarovsky had 12. Oh! oh correct. Oh, good job. Let's wow. go. <laughs> and all of those were assisted by Matt Sundin. All of them. I bet. I would put money on it. Oh, my God. Probably. All right. Next up, this will be our final one. We'll go with John Tavares oh. or Zach Hyman. Oh, oh <laughs> so here's the fun part about game winning goals mm-hmm. is they really are not indicative of any sort of talent. And that's why I wanted to do it. Like if you go penalty minutes, it's sort of, you know, you, you oh, which guy's tougher plays dirty or whatever. What era did they play in that sort of thing? Game winning goals are just who the it's jump ball, man. You don't know. I'm going to say Zach Hyman. I, I bring the story up all the time. The Leafs lost the game one, nothing to the devils when I was a kid. And the devil scored in the first two minutes, I think it was. So whoever scored that goal got the game winning goal. Right. Like that's yeah. not scoring in minute two of 58 is, or sorry, two of 60 is not clutch. No. No. Who are our two options again? <laughs> John Tavares and Zach Hyman. Hyman. I'm going to say JT. He scored, he scored the OT winner at the Vegas game that we had a live podcast at. I'm going to say JT. JT had 12. Game-winning goals. Already? Nice. Yeah, already. Zach Hyman is 302 games played. Ten. Ah! Five for five? Well done, Steve. I did think I go did five you? for five? I, I don't think so. Did, did I get the first one? I don't know. What was the first one? Oh, I think you got them all right. I don't have a, the list. As Didn't we both go JVR? Uh, yeah. JVR over Tim Horton. Yeah, no, no, you, got it, all. you got it all right. You did. There you go. Well done. I man. am good at guessing. Blindly, yeah. Ah. <laughs> I resign myself to the fact that it would be an absolute fluke if I ever beat Steve at anything regarding trivia. It's just not going to happen. No. Uh, <laughs> even, even because he makes because he. This is the one thing about Steve is that he knows so much and remembers so much about this one subject that his guesses are going to be better than anybody else's guesses that I know. Okay, it's true. more educated guess. I didn't enjoy the emphasis you put on one thing. Well, <laughs> I mean, did, I didn't enjoy what do you that know emphasis that is anywhere? All? Your depth of knowledge with hockey is astounding. Mm-hmm. It's astounding. It's incredible. Now, Thanks. your depth of knowledge with putting together barbecues maybe needs uh, leaves a little to the imagination. You or negotiating seen, uh, car deals. Like you should have seen the sheer amount of wounds I had on my body after assembling that barbecue. They have sharp parts. It was just sliced and diced. It was awful. Sounds awful. Yeah, and negotiating cards. Okay, listen. All right? I know I'm the dumbest, least capable person on this show. But I know how to guess things, so whatever. I'm smart. SMRT, (laughs) five for five. Uh, Before we go here, can I also just say, I threw up a thing on my Instagram of some uh, my favorite works about uh, racism and the black community. And I just, cause a lot of the questions right now are like, hey, what can I do? So mm-hmm. I wanted to be like, hey, 
here's a whole bunch of options. If you want to watch a Netflix documentary, there, I threw one in there. It's called The 13th on 13th Amendment. If you want to read a book, I got a book there. If you want to listen to a podcast, there's a podcast. If you want to read an article, I got something to read. If you want to watch a TED Talk, there's something there. I just want to make it easy for anybody who's like, what's the next step? I think the next step is educating. So uh, if you want to if you want to go there and take a look, there's a link to everything I've outlined there. Go do some educating and then try and help. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Brought to you by Panago Pizza. Order at Panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness. Connection complete.